Thank you for joining us for a message from the Christian Fellowship Church of Kandu, North Dakota. Please visit our website for more information about our church at kanducfc.com. We are uh, we're entering a new series today. I'm not going to tell you exactly what it is yet, uh, but you'll find out in a moment. I want to start with a story to kind of introduce this whole series to us. So when I was a youth pastor, I, I spoke at a Bible camp pretty much... Uh, every summer for about five or six summers, and it was called Camp Nudemic. Camp Nudemic is set deep in the White Shell Provincial Park amidst jack pines, white poplars, massive boulders, rocky cliffs, and countless lakes and rivers. It's the kind of place that just takes your breath away in appreciation of God's amazing creation. Each night of the camp, the, the day would conclude with the whole camp gathered together at a little spot called Jesse's Outpost. This is an outdoor area that was made specifically for groups to gather in. There was a stage, there were rustic wooden bleachers in a circle with a massive fire pit in the middle. The whole setup was encircled by a rough cut lumber fence that was 10 feet tall, so you kind of felt like you had your own special little spot. As the whole camp would gather, we'd sing songs, watch camp counselors act out skits with Bible lessons in them, and then I, as the speaker for the camp that week, I would get to share a message to encourage and build up the campers in their faith. These were special times that I remember fondly. One night toward the end of the week, I was teaching students about interacting with God and how we can pray and speak to him. But if we quiet ourselves in our heart and we listen, God actually wants to speak to us. He loves us and he wants us to learn to hear or recognize his voice. So the 75 or so campers were whisper quiet as I shared a couple of stories from my life of moments where God spoke or revealed something to me just for my own personal benefit. You could hear a pin drop as we were captivated by God's power and presence in that moment. I asked the campers if they'd be willing to try that right now, and I received an eager response as the kids began to wonder about how they might get to hear God for themselves. Anticipation seemed to settle on the whole camp as we prepared to intently focus in on Jesus for ourselves. I told everyone that I would pray and invite the Holy Spirit to speak to us, and then at the end of the prayer, I would ask a question. It was, Jesus... What is something that you enjoy about each of these campers? And it was dead quiet as everyone listened carefully for God to reveal something about them that he enjoys. Then in the middle of the, of the silence, a sound pierced the evening stillness. On one of those hard wooden benches, someone farted. <laughs> it was loud. It was clear. It was deep. Shockwaves of giggles and shuddering shoulders rippled through the junior high boys section. I was confused and surprised. Did I just hear what I thought I heard? I wondered to myself. I panicked as I wondered if this would derail this sacred moment of interacting with God. And I was relieved as quiet and focus soon returned. A moment later, I called for everyone's attention and asked by show of hands, how many of you felt God shared something with you that he enjoys about you. Instantly, dozens of hands reached up for the stars. And I was thrilled in my soul that the Holy Spirit met these campers on that evening. 
One by one, these kids shared what they had heard God tell them about, and I was so full of joy at that moment that they got to experience God for themselves in a new and personal way. Shortly after our time at Jesse's Outpost was over for that evening, I remember walking down the gravel road at the camp back to the cabins with my heart being so grateful for what I got to witness God doing in the lives of these campers. As I was walking, Karen, Lucy, and Easton were with me. I I was so thrilled that they could come with me to camp every time I went. Lucy and Easton were both very young at the time. Lucy might have been five and Easton maybe about three. As we were walking back, Karen leaned over and discreetly asked me if I heard that huge fart in the middle of the quiet moment. And turning to her with shock on my face, I said, yeah, I can't believe someone just let one rip like that. And she told me, it was your son. (laughs) Yes, I have Easton's permission to tell this story. So now, perhaps you're wondering, okay, Jeff, why are you even telling us this story? Today we begin a new series focused on emotions. We're calling it Emotional Wholeness. Now I told this story because it features a wide range of emotions. In this story, I used words like appreciation, encourage, fondly, love, captivated, eager, anticipation, intently, enjoy, confused, surprised, panicked, relieved, thrilled, joy, grateful, and shock. All of these words are different emotions. You can appreciate or understand this story because you have emotions just like I do. God has blessed you and me with an amazing range of emotions. But emotions are something that all of us can struggle with from time to time. Because emotions are something that we all have, it's important for us to understand them and how we're meant to use these emotions from God's perspective. So just by show of hands... How many of you would admit, yes, I have emotions? Okay, good. And how many of us here also by a show of hands have struggled, made mistakes, or been carried away at one time or another because of our emotions? Yeah, every hand should be up. Our goal in this series is to understand that emotions are a gauge for our lives. They're not a guide. We want to understand that God can be and needs to be given authority over our emotions. Not to make us emotionless, but to bring our emotions under obedience to God. We want to learn why we feel the way we do. And how we should respond to feelings that are very strong. And how to honor Jesus as we respond to the emotions that rise up within us. So this is going to be a series that will take us a couple of months, probably, maybe more. Um, but we, we want to tackle a bunch of different things. I'm looking forward to, we're going to kind of do two, maybe three messages at the beginning of this series. That's just going to kind of start the conversation about emotions. And then we're going to look later at all of the emotions that Jesus himself experienced. Did you know that scripture actually has verses showing that there were 39 unique emotions that Jesus experienced? Sometimes we just think of God as this stoic kind of guy or idea, and we don't think that Jesus in his fullness as a human, yet still as God, truly had the most human experience that we do. But it's true. He did. And we can learn so much from him. So let's pray, and then we're going we're gonna to dive in and just keep introducing this topic this morning. Lord God, I pray right now for anyone in this room who has a... Uh, 
a bit of a panic going on. Or maybe a thought, or like, a, oh brother, here we go, when it comes to emotions. I think all of us approach this subject differently. Uh, some of us have trepidation when anyone becomes emotional or talks about emotions. Some of us, we look down upon those who do not have the same emotional output that we do. But Jesus, our, our comparison from one to the next actually really doesn't mean a whole lot. You're the one who gave us emotions, so we want to understand them from your perspective. Please just open our hearts. Help us to be tender. Help us to be receptive to what you want to say. Holy Spirit, we invite you in. You are the great teacher. And we ask that you would meet us in our hearts and cause us to understand as you want us to today. Amen. All right. So the first question we want to talk, uh, tackle is what is or what are emotions? Okay. Emotions are natural reactions to circumstances of our lives. They are natural reactions because you don't have to think about them. Emotions just come to us by instinct. If you're watching a sunset and you see incredible colors painted across the sky, your natural reaction is to be amazed without needing to think about it, right? It just kind of happens. No one looks at a sunset and has their breath taken away and says, hmm, I wonder if I should be impressed by this or not. It just happens. When you smell one of your favorite foods, maybe you walk into your mom's house after being away for months and your mom's making that dish that you love, right? Oh, you smell it. Oh, man, it comes over you and your mouth salivates and you get excited about eating the food that you love. That's a normal instinct to desire to eat food with a familiar and pleasing smell. You don't have to smell it. Think to yourself, huh? Is that something I like? Of course you do. It just comes to you naturally. How many of you, when you hear a helicopter flying over Kandu, quickly feel concern or worry or alarm? Yeah, a little bit, right? I think that's a quick and natural emotion because the helicopter here in Kandu means that someone needs emergency medical attention and they're going to be whisked away to Grand Forks or somewhere else. Emotions are natural reactions, and all of us experience these natural reactions in one way or another. Another way to define emotions is to say that they are our ability to feel. When someone does something kind or unexpected for you, simply to bless you, you can feel quickly surprised, grateful, and joyful. That's just a natural reaction when you feel blessed or like someone cares about you, right? On the other side of the coin, when someone says something rude or insensitive towards us, we can feel hurt, embarrassed, or angry. And sometimes those emotions, they boil over. Sometimes we just feel them inside and we can still paste on a smile and pretend like we're just hunky-dory, right? But that's what emotions are. They're natural and instinctive reactions to the world that we live in. So where exactly do emotions come from? Well, God is the one who created us. We have to remember that. And he created us to have emotions. In Genesis 1 verse 26, it says, Then God said, Let us make human beings in our image to be like us. This famous passage is telling us that God created you and me to resemble him. Now, often when we use the word resemble, we think about physical appearance. Like a lot of people, especially when Easton was little, he said, Wow. 
Jeff, Easton resembles you. He's your spitting image of who you are, if they could see my face. And, and yeah, he does resemble me physically. But a person can also bear the resemblance of someone's personality. I have a cousin named Brad who's a couple years younger than me. Growing up, when we would get together at family gatherings, he talked and he joked and he carried himself in a very unique and specific way. He was a cowboy with a heart or with a quick wit and a comment for everything. He was definitely different than the rest of us cousins. As a kid, I remember meeting his other grandpa, the one that we didn't share one time, and I quickly realized, oh... Now I know why Brad is the way he is. He gets his way of talking, joking, and carrying himself from his grandpa Hardy. Brad's voice and Hardy's voice were almost identical. Brad's just wasn't quite as deep yet. It was obvious in that moment that Brad resembled or took after his grandpa Hardy in so many ways. So when we read that God created us to be like him, it means that we are meant to resemble or take after him. And our emotions are part of what is meant to resemble him, or it's what enables us to resemble him. Just listen to these passages that talk about the emotions of God. Psalm 2 verse 4 says, The one enthroned in the heavens laughs. Psalm 5 5, Therefore the proud may may not stand in your presence, for you hate all who do evil. 1 John 4 8, Oh, no, sorry, Deuteronomy 32, 16. They made him jealous with their foreign gods and angered him with their detestable idols. 1 John 4, 8. But anyone who does not love does not know God, for God is love. Joel 2, 13. Return to the Lord, to the Lord your God, for he is gracious and compassionate. And finally, Deuteronomy 30, verse 9, the Lord will again delight in you and make you prosperous just as he delighted in your ancestors. So we see from these verses that God has the capacity to love or to laugh, hate, be jealous, get angry, love, show compassion and experience delight. Hands up, just out of curiosity, have any of you ever experienced any one of those emotions that we just read about that God has? Of course you have, right? Because God created you to be like him. And emotions are a huge part of that. God created us to feel the same way that he feels. You and God are meant to share the same range of emotions. There aren't some that are reserved just for God and we don't get to experience them. Actually, God wants us in our emotions to be whole, to experience emotional wholeness so that we experience emotion in the way and in the capacity that he does. This is actually a really incredible thing. Before I began to learn to have a real friendship with God and gave him intentional time in my life, I used to think that God was stoic and unemotional. And that couldn't be further from the truth, that he's actually more like me, or better yet, I'm more like him than I realized. And as I read the Bible more consistently, as I prayed and invited Jesus into all parts of my life as I learned to be still and listen for God to speak into my life, I began to experience and appreciate the emotions of my creator. Of course, the big difference is that God always uses his emotions in a righteous way, and I don't. But we're going to tackle some more of that kind of idea later on in this series. For now, I just want us to see that our emotions are a gift from God. That he wants us to have because he wants us to have them. 
He wants, and he has them too, and he created us to be like him, right down to the way we feel. So if we know now what an emotion is, if we know where they come from, the next logical question that came to me is like, okay, so what is God's purpose for our emotions? We have these things. We know that sometimes they sink us. Sometimes they really help us. What is God's purpose for them, right? Well, I think there's, there's three things I just want to highlight for you today. Emotions help us to perceive and understand the world that we live in. When we step outside of our homes, or sorry, think about this in the sense of, of physical touch. When we step outside our homes in the middle of a North Dakota January, which is not that far away, the cold air touches our skin, telling us that we need to dress warm and take precautions in this kind of weather. We may even go back inside and put on an extra layer or of warmer gloves or, or something like that because our sense of touch has told us how frigid it is. Emotions help us in the same way. Let's say that you're in a conversation with someone and they ask you questions about your life. They show interest in you. They encourage you and they build you up. The emotion that may start to, to come to you is a feeling of trust which tells you that the person that you're talking to and getting to know is safe and kind and good in their nature. What if you're walking or if you're hiking in western North Dakota and you come around a bend and you see a large herd of buffalo? They're, they're huge and they're moving towards you. Fear and caution are emotions that you may start to feel which will prevent you from walking further and putting yourself in a potentially dangerous situation. One more example. Let's say it's your birthday, you get home from work, and your house is full of friends and family, and as soon as you come in the door, they all yell, happy birthday, right? You begin to feel surprise, quickly followed by joy and delight and pleasure and appreciation. All these emotions confirm how much these people love and care about you. See, without emotions, all of those experiences would lose their meaning or their significance. In the scenarios we talked about, we'd either fail to see the good in people, we'd put ourselves in a dangerous situation, or we wouldn't be able to receive love. So emotions help us to perceive and interact appropriately with the world around us. Second thing that emotions do is they enable us to have a relationship with God. What is God's greatest attribute, friends? The one that everyone thinks of. Love, yes, we're all very confident in this place of Jesus' love, right? Right? Okay, good. Because if you don't, man, we need to derail here. And let me tell you about my friend Jesus. He loves you. So God's greatest attribute is love. If we, we can see it all over scripture. We love because he first loved us. And this hope will not lead to disappointment for we know how dearly God loves us because he has given his Holy Spirit to fill our hearts with his love. But anyone who does not love does not know God, for God is love. Your love, O Lord, reaches to the heavens, your faithfulness to the skies. So imagine if God didn't give us any emotional capacity. Imagine if God didn't create us to be like him right down to our emotions. We wouldn't be able to even know God, let alone have a relationship with him. Without our emotional ability to recognize love, we can't appreciate that God loves us. 
Perhaps the intellectual side of us could somehow fathom God on, on some sort of level, but without emotions, we wouldn't have any desire to know him or follow him or trust him, to repent of our sins and turn to him to be forgiven or even believe in him because without emotions, we couldn't see the value, the safety, the peace, the joy, the pleasure that comes to us when we have a relationship with the almighty God of the universe. We mentioned 1 John 4.19 a moment ago. It says we love because he first loved us. I think it's actually out of love for us that God created us with the capacity to love as well. Because God first loved you and me so much and because he created us with the emotional ability to receive and give love, it is possible only through God's grace that we can have a relationship with him. You know, so often we, we remind ourselves that we're so dependent on God for, for his love, his forgiveness, his mercy, all these kinds of things. But if you get right back down to the core of who you are and who you were created to be, it is by God's grace that he chose to create people to be like him. Because if we were not like him, we could not fathom him. We could not perceive him. And we certainly couldn't have relationship with him. We're learning here what we're learning here is that indeed God created you and me with emotions and those emotions paved the way for us to have a relationship with him. Your relationship, of course, it goes beyond just love as well. As we experience God, it's our emotions that help us to understand and affirm just how good God is. In Psalm 34, verse 8 to 10, it says this, Taste and see that the Lord is good. Oh, the joys of those who take refuge in him. Fear the Lord, you his godly people. For those who fear him will have all they need. Even strong young lions sometimes go hungry, but those who trust in the Lord will lack no good thing. So we recognize that God is good. He meets all our needs. We lack nothing in him as we experience the emotions of joy, fear, and trust. Our relationship with God has the ability to go deeper because he appeals to the emotions that he gave us. Hosea 6.6 says, I want you to show love, not offer sacrifices. I want you to know me more than I want burnt offerings. I read this verse this week, and it's a, it's a, it's a famous verse. I've read it many times before. I'm sure you have too. But I read this verse this week, and for the first time, I sensed the emotion that may have been in God's voice as he was saying these things to the prophet Hosea. I sensed like frustration almost, urgency or desperation in God's voice. God is telling us in this verse that he places the greatest value on us showing love. That's an emotion. And he wants us to know him. When God says, I want you to know me. He means that he wants intimate relationship with us where we care about him and his desires. God doesn't just want us to know facts about him. He longs for us to be emotionally invested in our friendship with him. Sacrifices and burnt offerings were an important part of Jewish religion and worship in those days. But God is saying those things mean nothing to me if I don't have your heart. So if we come to God as emotionless and robotic, we may think that we've given him our bodies or our minds, but the thing that he wants more than anything else is our heart and our emotions. When he has that, that's when he has all of us. 
Because so much of what we do is based on how we emotionally feel about whatever it is we're involved in. If we hate our job, a lot of times we go there and we do a really lousy job of our work, right? And we're looking for other things. We're saying, I'll do anything to get out of this situation because I hate it here. But if we love our job, we come there and we say, oh yeah, my boss is great. They treat me so well. I know they appreciate me. I know they value me. Therefore, because I love how they treat me, of course I'm going to do a good job. I'm motivated in my heart to honor my boss and, and do what's good in the eyes of God. Proverbs 23 verse 26 says, My son, give me your heart and let your eyes delight in my ways. Last point here about why or what the purpose of emotions are. Emotions allow us to hear from God. Have you ever had a moment when you felt like God was giving you a strong feeling about something? Maybe it was during a time of prayer or worship or Bible study, or maybe it even just kind of came to you out of the blue like it did for you, Julie, last week when you're just worshiping, right? By show of hands, how many of you have ever felt God speaking to you or communicating with you in a way that wasn't a picture necessarily or a word, but rather it was something that you could only describe as a strong feeling? Does God ever speak to you like that? Yeah, lots of hands are going up. See, the Bible actually shows us that God does this kind of thing for us on a regular basis. He reveals himself to us or he reveals his will to us through our emotions. Luke 24 verse 32 says this, they said to each other, didn't our hearts burn within us as he talked with us on the road and explained the scriptures to us? So this verse is from a time where Jesus appeared to two of his followers as they, was, as they were walking down the road to Emmaus, but they didn't realize that it was Jesus. They just thought it was some guy. So Jesus starts talking to them and teaching them about the meaning of his death that has just taken place within the last few days. And suddenly they realize that it's Jesus talking to them. Right then Jesus disappears from their presence and they talk about what they felt in their hearts. This feeling that they had on the road as Jesus, who they didn't recognize was talking to them. It's like, man, this, is, this feels right. There's something about this guy. I, I think he's onto something. I think he's trustworthy, whatever it might be. That feeling is what told them that this might be Jesus. And later it was confirmed. In Acts 15 verse 28, it says, For it seemed good to the Holy Spirit and to us to, know, to lay no greater burden on you than these few requirements. So this verse is from a meeting that the apostles and the elders of the church in Jerusalem had as they were making a decision. And based on an agreement in their feelings and what they sensed from the Holy Spirit, they proceeded in what, in what they were planning to do. So oftentimes, you know, a feeling of courage or of faith, or a belief, is what God will give us so that we don't hesitate to follow him, but we'll just put one foot in front of the other and move forward. Acts 4 verse 32, all the believers were united in heart and mind, and they felt that what they owned was not their own, so they shared everything they had. See, the Holy Spirit in the early church, he provided a feeling of unity amongst all the Christians that propelled the church to act with love and generosity towards each other. It wasn't their pastor standing up and saying, hey, I got an idea, guys. 
I think we all need to feel this way. And if you don't, you're probably not a part of this church. Is it way better when the Holy Spirit just does his thing and he brings a feeling on all of us? And then when we think, oh man, you know, I I just want to be generous with what I have. And it's contagious. That's a feeling that the Holy Spirit is giving us to live in a certain way. That's so much more powerful than anything I could ever say anyway. The Holy Spirit is what we need because he speaks to the emotions that are in our hearts. So these are just three ways in which our emotions have a God-given purpose. Emotions help us perceive the world around us, have relationship with God, and they help us hear from God. I hope that already today we're beginning to see the incredibly good purpose that emotions have in our lives. They truly are a miraculous gift from God, not something to be feared or ashamed of. Two final points that I hope will give you an appreciation for the emotions that God has given you. Think about the most famous verse in the Bible, John 3:16, right? How does it start? For God so loved the world. Without emotions, our reaction to this verse might be so what? Or it would at least be confusing. If we couldn't comprehend love because we didn't have an emotional capacity in us, the gesture of God to save the world would be underappreciated and possibly even unvalued to a world that was lost and dying in sin. Think about the greatest commandment in the Bible. Matthew twenty-two thirty-seven says, Jesus replied, you must love the Lord your God with all your heart soul, mind, and in Mark it also says strength. If God didn't give us emotions, it would literally be impossible to obey him because his greatest command is to love him. And one part even specifically says to love him with all of our heart. Our heart is the home of our emotions. To love God means to voluntarily choose to give him our affection, appreciation, and preference. Love isn't an intellectual decision because we sometimes can over-intellectualize things. We can overthink things. We need to appreciate what God has done for us. And I think when we have the fullest comprehension that the judge of the world, the one who has the keys to eternity in his hands, the one who holds wrath against those who are sinful and grace and mercy for those who repent and turn to him in faith, when he holds all those things in his power, man, does his love seem incredible. And of course, we would want to respond with love as well. So the emotions that you and I have, friends, are a tremendous gift from God. The Bible is full of scripture that points us to the heart as the seat of our emotions. When we fall in love with someone, we might say to them, I love you with all my heart. We're going, we're, we're going to close this morning with a song, and it's called I Give You My Heart. If you love 90s worship, then this is one for you. But this song begins with the chorus. You can come on up. It says, Lord, I give you my heart. I give you my soul. So my encouragement to you would be to sing this song as a way to dedicate your heart, your emotions, which God has given you, which he's blessed you with, dedicate those things for his glory. Even if you don't fully understand all the ins and outs of what that is, I think enough we've, t- we've discussed these things this morning that we can say, okay, God, 
Maybe there's something to this, and if there is, I want you to be the master of my emotions. I want you to be the Lord of my heart, not just in my mind as an idea, but I actually want you to take control of these things. We're going to learn more about this as we go deeper in this series. So to sing this song as, as a prayer to God, offering him obedience to his plan for our emotions, I think that would be a great first step.